first nine months of your life, you received everything that sustains life from your mother in her womb. Everything that made life possible was brought to you in your mother's womb. Oxygen flowing through the umbilical cord to bring oxygen into your body. The nourishment that sustained you, that helped you continue to, to grow and develop and all the parts to be knit together intricately, all came from your mom. And after nine months of residing there in the womb and growing and developing, you were expelled into the earth. And when you were expelled into the earth, all the things that you had received in your mom, from your mom, sustaining you, growing you, nurturing you while you were growing in the womb, you didn't like instantly receive those things from the environment around you. Right? They cut that cord off. Did you know that when you were born, that you do not immediately know how to breathe? You've never done it before. It's the very first time. You come out of the womb, and now you have to breathe on your own. They cut that umbilical cord, and wham, you got to take a breath. And a baby's capacity to breathe does not happen instantaneously. You have to develop muscles and, and process in your body and sensing when you need to breathe and how you need to breathe. And so, so oftentimes they say that when a baby cries, it's actually a panic. Like, I'm not sure where my next breath is coming from. You don't instantly know how to eat. You've been receiving all your food through the umbilical cord. Now you have to receive your food through your mouth. You have to do it on your own. And you have to learn how to suck. And sometimes that takes some time. That takes some practice. And it takes some mom nurturing and being patient and helping you figure that out. And you've been feeling everything you've been feeling in your mother's womb from that environment around you. And now you're all of a sudden feeling all these new and different things that you haven't been accustomed to. You have to learn how to live outside of the womb. And the things that we learn outside the womb, the closer they are to our experience of what we experience inside the womb, the more safe and secure we will feel as we find our way in this new world. That is, we're carried around close to our mother in our arms. We develop the equilibrium that gives us a sense of being safe. Frequent periods of contact with the mother, warming, holding, gives us reassurance. All the small evidences of tender feeling, fondling, caressing, rocking, singing, or speaking, these activities have deep significance. And they're not purely physical needs. At one point they thought they were. They thought, hey, we could just, you know, if we have a, a child who is an orphan, the mother is not there, the mother can't take care of the child, we can just put them in the arms of a nurse and the nurse can provide those things and it'll be the same thing. But it's not purely clinical. That, there, that it, it's transformative, it's different when that is an emotional, psychological, relational connection. Nurse-like care is not the same 
as mother-like care. Psychologists have observed one of the most basic human needs beginning at birth is to be gazed upon by another. Mothers throughout the world have been observed spending long periods of time staring into the eyes of their babies. To be seen is to be real. And without another to gaze upon you, we are not real. Questions that lie at the core of human need and fear. Will I be taken care of? Will I have enough? Will I get my next breath? Will I get my next meal to sustain me, to keep me alive? On an emotional level, psychologists say, our fundamental convictions about whether we are going to have enough, these gut-level primal convictions come to us through our relationship with our mothers, and especially in infancy. And the answer to these questions and our experience of them, as we, as we come into the world and we're burdened into all these new, into this new environment and all the insecurities, the assurances that we experience from our, our mother leave an imprint on our soul as we grow up. Psychologist Robert Cairn, in a book called Becoming Attached, says emotionally healthy young people who are both self who are both self-reliant and able to rely on others had home lives in which both parents were loving and emotionally generous and the mother had given them a feeling of complete security. The mother gave them a feeling of complete security enables a child both to learn to take care of themselves and to rely upon other people to help them with getting their needs met. The mother's job in this capacity is to impart to their children the security of knowing there is always enough. A mother's job is to impart to their child the security of knowing that there will always be enough. Now it's Mother's Day. This is, talking about our moms is holy ground. So I'm, I'm taking it like on the edge here, all right? Ask yourself this question. What is your reaction to hardship? When, when the wheels come off, when things go awry? Is it a profound sense of knowing that while it's hard right now, while there's a struggle, it's going to be okay? That I will have enough, that I will be taken care of? Are your reactions and emotions proving that you received from your mother the insurance the assurance of your needs mattering and being met. The job of a mother is to impart to their children the security of knowing there is always enough. And almost every mother I know 
feels like no matter what they do and no matter how hard they try and how, no matter how much, there is never enough for all the needs and demands that we experience, that they experience. When our kids were young, we have four. That was a great mom. Still is a great mom. When she came to the end of herself, when she ran out of gas, when she ran out of fuel, when she broke down, and it didn't happen often, but when it did, what always came out was this. Whenever I'm taking care of the kids, I feel like I ought to be cleaning the house. Whenever I'm cleaning the house, I feel like I ought to be doing this. Whenever I'm doing this, I feel like I ought to be doing that. Whenever I'm doing that, I feel like I ought to be doing something else. No matter what I'm doing, I always feel like I ought to be doing something other than what I'm doing. And the, and the cry is this. It's simply this. I don't feel like there is enough of me to do all the things that I need to do. To impart to our kids the sense that there, that there's, that there will always be enough and what the overwhelming experience of moms is, is that there is never enough. And culture isn't our friend in this either. Now we, have a, we have a world that is telling us all the things that a good mom does and all the things that we're supposed to do for our kids. I mean, like everything. We're supposed to make sure they get a great education and, and piano lessons or music lessons and sports and, and not just one sport or two sports or six different sports and, and um, you know, they have, to, they have to have all of everything, all of the time. And, and then add into that, babies aren't born in a vacuum, are they? Right? If, if, if the baby was born and that's all the mom had to do was just take care of this little thing that's now outside their body that they could carry around before, but now they got to carry around car seats and diaper bags and all that crazy stuff. And, and then, you know, add to that, um, if you have a spouse who is with you in the battle and, and supporting you, you have um, extended family members who are around you to, to pass the baby pew, down the pew. Uh, you know, when you're sitting in church on a Sunday morning, you don't have to bear the burden all by yourself. There's other people supporting you or not. Maybe you're in it alone. Or you're not the firstborn child. I remember when, when Kaylee was born, talking about gazing upon the child. I mean, we, we spent hours and hours just looking at that precious little girl. And then we had our second child. And we wanted to spend hours and hours gazing upon her, but we had this other 17-month-old who wanted their own attention. And that attention went to a different place. And then we had our third kid, and that whole thing just compiles, right? And so the third kid, you know, where were they? Oh, yeah, I remember seeing, oh, no, where, right? It gets harder and harder, compounding. And then what if you have health issues, mental health issues, or financial pressures, all these things warring against this desire and this need for the child to feel safe and secure in the world, but being pulled in a thousand different directions. And the pain of a mother's inability to provide complete security. Even when they desperately, if they desperately want to. And the reality and the response to that pain. What a child doesn't receive from their mother, 
hurts the child. At the extreme, the trauma of abandonment. Kids who are abandoned or experience abandonment, um, people-pleasing, prone to jealousy in the relationships, have a difficulty trusting, developing trusting relationships with others, experiencing experience insecurity, anxiety in the relationships, have a difficult time forming attachments, need to control their world or be controlled, experience feelings of worthlessness, withdraw socially, engage in self-destructive behaviors, one end of the spectrum. On the other end of the spectrum, the, the mother who so much wants to provide security and safety for their child that they go to great lengths. We call them oftentimes helicopter parents, trying to hover over them and keep them from any harm or danger coming to them, trying to meet this need, often leading to struggles for kids and making decisions because mom tried to make all of them for them, suffering from anxiety, low self-esteem, a sense of entitlement, Mom was always taking care of me. Now where's my mom? Now we want somebody else to take care of us like mom did. Eating disorders. Right, so on one end, the, the, the mom is completely absent, and on the other end, the mom who's overbearing in their attempts to meet these needs, and then in between the full range of those experiences in greater and less quantities. If it's abuse or neglect, or the inability to need to needs, or a good mom, or a better mom, or the best mom. But complete security, everything, all the time. Making that child feel safe, provided for, seen. It's an impossible job. It's an impossible job. And it haunts mothers, too. The mother who deeply wants to provide. The mother who did their very best with the resources that were available to them, but fears however, however hard they try, it will not be enough. Mothering, this whole amazing, overwhelming, joy-filled, pain-filled journey was God's design. It, it was his idea. In the story of creation, Nat, Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all of the living. The psalmist says that we were knit together in our mother's wombs. The mother is the source of life. It comes to us through her. And she is, the love that a mother has also gets its origins, its source from the creator. We love because God first loved us. The mother that a love bestows upon her child is a love that she's received, whether she knows it or not, whether she realizes it or not, is a love that she's received from God being extended to her. Designed for this unique calling and yet, 
because of sin and brokenness in the world, unable to fill it. Every, every mother misses the mark. And every mother that misses the mark leaves a mark. Paul says in his letter to the church at Rome, all have sinned. That's, that word sin is all, everybody missed the mark of what they were meant for, what they were made for. Every mother misses the mark for what they were meant for, what they were made for, and falls short of the glory of God, falls short of created in God's image and likeness, God's mothering love, falls short of the love that they were meant to manifest to their child, and there are consequences. Moms, it isn't just a feeling that you have an impossible job. It truly is an impossible job. There isn't enough of you. And if you've got wounds from your mom, it's because she wasn't enough. It's because she didn't have enough. God is the healer of our scars. Salvation that God extends to us through Jesus is the soul's loving bond to our loving God. Salvation that Christ died for the forgiveness of our sins is to restore us to a relationship with God through which we receive the love that we were meant for and made for. The prophet Isaiah says, can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, and sometimes mothers do forget, though she may forget, I will not, God says, I will not forget you. See, I have engraved you on the palm of my hands. I've engraved a reference, a foreshadowing, a prophecy of the sacrifice that Jesus would make with his nail-scarred hands restoring our relationship to God and his complete, full mother love. The Old Testament writer's um, favorite word for God's love is translated, or is, um, is hesed, Hebrew word hesed. It's translated all different kinds of ways because it's a really, really deep word and kind of no single statement gets the, gets the hands around it. It's translated mercy, loving kindness, faithful love, steadfast love, unchanging love, unfailing love. All the kinds of things when we think about a mother's love, those are the kind of words that we think about. Hesed love. Psalmist says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His hesed endures forever. His steadfast, his unfailing love endures forever. And it is God's Hesed that gives us the assurance of abundance, offers us the assurance of abundance that our mothers could not deliver. Later in the prophet Isaiah, 
it starts out rejoice with Jerusalem. It's a prophecy over the city of Jerusalem. But the, but the context and, and the significance of this Jerusalem is it's actually it's, it's God's people. It's God's sons and daughters. It's God's beloved, Jerusalem. You could could insert your name in this passage. Rejoice with Melissa. Rejoice with Chris. Rejoice with Rosemary. And be glad for them. All you who love them, rejoice greatly with her. All you who mourn over her. For you will nurse and be satisfied at her comforting breast. You will drink deeply and delight in her overflowing abundance. For this is what the Lord says. I will extend peace to her like a river and the wealth of nations like a flooding stream. You will nurse and be carried on the arm and dandled on her knees. As a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you and you will be comforted over Jerusalem. When you see this, your heart will rejoice and you will flourish like grass. God's love, as he restores us to relationship, is like a child dandling on the knee or mother. Honor your father and your mother was number five of the Big Ten Commandments. Number five, honor your father and your mother. It's important to note that the commandment was given after the garden, after the fall. God didn't say honor your father and your mother when they were perfect. God said honor your father and mother after the wheels had come off and they could no longer fulfill the roles that they were meant to to offer honor your father and your mother wouldn't have been necessary in the garden because it would have been natural. It's when it's not natural anymore that we have to be told to do it. And why is it important for us? Why does God say, number five in the Big Ten Commandments, honor your father and mother? He says, so that it will go well with you in the land. so that it will go well. We honor God when we honor our mothers. He says, if you want it to go well, if you want it to be well in your world, in your life, honor your mothers. I told um, some of my family members uh, sitting around the living room on Friday night that I was going to be dancing on the point of a needle this morning, which they always hate it when I tell them that because, oh my gosh, where's dad going this time? Because when we come to Mother's Day, what do we want to talk about? What we we want to celebrate a mother's virtues. And if you're tracking with what I'm saying, mostly this morning what we're talking about is a mother's failures. Why would I go there? Why would I do that? If you're a child in this 
sanctuary this morning, if you're a child and you're watching online this morning, honor your mother. Honor your mother. You have no idea not just all the things that she does for you, but all the things that she wants to do and all the things that she wishes to do and all the things that she longs to do and all the ways that she wishes that when you're, she's misunderstood that she could make it, communicate to you in a way that you could understand it. She has been given an impossible job. And she pours out her life for you. Honor your mother so that it will go well for you. And when you don't, sometimes it won't go well for you. (laughs) Honor your mother. If you're a mother this morning and you're hearing these words, Honor yourself. Because you know every mistake, every misunderstanding, every time that you wish you had said something differently or done something differently or wish you could have done something differently or you look back and say, oh, if only then, if I'd known this or that. And you were given an impossible job. Because you you were not raised with complete security and abundance. None of us were. You have marks that are part of your story, that are a part of your life. Honor yourself with God's grace. Offer your lack to God's amazing grace. And it's my, when you come to the point saying, I can't, I wish I could, but I can't, I don't know how, or I, I, right? When you come to those points, offer not your perfection, your guilt, your shame, offer your lack to God. And trust that where you're not enough, that he is enough. And introduce your children to God's abundant grace and provision. A parent who thinks that they need to be perfect will lead their children in a very difficult spot. Better the parent who realizes that they blew it and goes to their child and says, I'm sorry, I'm not perfect. But you have a loving God who is. And what I can't give you or where I err, he forgives me and he provides for you. Mothers, Honor yourself. Give yourself grace. Introduce your children to God's abundant grace. And if you have scars that you carry from your mother's brokenness, from what she didn't do and couldn't do, even if she forgot you, God engraved you on the palm of his hands. 
whether your mom was gone or gross or good or godly, they were less than they were intended. Every mother misses the mark. And they have a story. They got where they were for a reason, just like you got where you are for a reason. It doesn't mean that it doesn't matter. It doesn't mean that it didn't hurt. It may explain it. It doesn't excuse it. But honor her. Because God forgives you and says, honor your mother with your forgiveness. Because you belong to him and because you've been forgiven. And we can forgive our mother for what she couldn't be or couldn't do, what she wasn't. When we come to that place of being able to receive God's forgiveness and extend God's forgiveness, then we can honor our mother for who she was and what she did, not get lost in what she wasn't or what she didn't or what she couldn't do. We want to honor our mothers in faith and obedience. And wherever, wherever there is a void, wherever there is a lack, I want to tell you, I want to encourage you, I want to point you to God who will and does impart to you the love that you were meant to receive and no one on earth can give you. Because he sent Jesus into the world to save us from our sins. Because our mothers were not enough. Our fathers were not enough. Because we are not enough. He is. Because he is. Lord, I pray over our mothers today. God, you would bless them. That you would comfort them in their sorrows, in their sadness. That you would assure them of your grace and your forgiveness in your abundance, that what you have done is enough to restore us. It is enough for what we couldn't provide to our children. Pray that you would fill them with joy and the peace of your presence and a fresh anointing of your spirit your blessing. Lord, I pray that where there is brokenness, where there is pain, where there are wounds, 
that those things, God, that you would give us the wisdom and the grace to surrender that to you, to recognize that it is why Jesus came, to receive your healing and your restoration, and to walk in the security of your provision and your abundance. I pray today, Lord, that in the very best ways that we can, be faithful and obedient to a commandment that you have given us to honor our mothers. Pray in Jesus' name.